Welcome to Time Keeps on Ticking, MS Warrior and Mom Life. Cindy Locke was diagnosed with recurring remitting multiple sclerosis in 2006. Listen in on her journey to make the most of her time with her daughter and son. News, interviews, events, and MS hacks from an MS ambassador. Now, let's get started. Here is your host, Cindy Locke. Hey Warriors, Cindy here. Let's talk about HSCT. This is something that I get a lot of questions on because I actually was fortunate enough to be able to do the procedure and it changed my life and I will definitely go into details with you as we go further. But this is going to be part one of probably three separate podcasts, maybe two to three. I would say three because I want to interview people and have you guys hear different points of view, not just mine, about how this all works. This episode, I will be giving you details of what exactly HSCT is and who is eligible to get this treatment. And then I will give you details on my situation and how I ended up being eligible. But for now, let me get started on what exactly HSCT is. HSCT stands for Hematopoietic Stem Cell Transplantation. And what it does is it attempts to reboot the immune system, which is responsible for damaging the brain and spinal cord and MS, as I'm sure you all know. In HSCT for MS, hematopoietic blood cell producing stem cells, which are derived from a person's own bone marrow or blood, are collected and stored and the rest of the individual's immune cells are depleted by chemotherapy. Then the stored hematopoietic stem cells are reintroduced to the body. The new stem cells migrate to the bone marrow and over time produce new white blood cells and eventually they repopulate the body with immune cells. The goal of HSCT is to reset the immune system and stop the inflammation that contributes to active relapsing MS. HSCT is not FDA approved because it's not the type of procedure the FDA would review or approve. Let me tell you what's involved in the HSCT procedure. It's different for all hospitals, but in general, the approach is the same. There are different treatment protocols that vary depending on the medical center and doctors performing the procedure. I will get back to my experiences and the steps that we took at Northwestern for the procedure in a bit, but I know there are other things you want to know, such as who might benefit from HSCT. Would you? So far, published results suggest that people who may benefit from HSCT have highly inflammatory relapsing remitting MS. They can walk, have had MS for 10 years or less, and have not been helped by available disease-modifying therapies. Highly inflammatory means that there are significant signs of disease activity made evident by relapses and relatively rapid worsening of symptoms and disability. I tried to get approved the first time two years prior to when I actually did get approved and I applied with a friend of mine. She got approved and I didn't. They told me that I didn't have any active lesions on the MRI so I couldn't get the treatment. Obviously I was very upset because I thought to myself wait a minute if I have active lesions doesn't that mean I need it more than somebody that doesn't have active lesions? Shouldn't I be approved just because I've had MS for 10 years and I had tried five of the disease modification therapies and none of them worked for me? So I assumed that I should be obviously approved, but 
I wasn't. Uh, my friend, which is really wonderful, she was approved, and I'm going to have her speak on a future episode to give you her experience. After I was denied, I really wasn't planning on applying again. I felt so upset and so sad and defeated that I just for the next two years got really depressed and got worse and worse. And I heard from Karen that she actually ran a marathon once she had recovered. So I felt like I needed for my family and myself to try again to be approved. So I knew I had something going on because I had the worst MS year I've ever had. And I knew that I would have to have an active lesion on my MRI. There was no possible way I couldn't. So I got one done. And of course, lo and behold, I had an active lesion and I applied and they accepted me. It's a very long, long journey to getting approved, but I don't believe it's like that for the out of country hospitals. I was planning on going to Mexico to the top hospital that I got approved in Chicago. So I ripped up my approval form because I had already been approved and and went to Chicago. So that was great because it was in the United States. But I have a story to tell you about all of that and the difference between going somewhere here in the States and going elsewhere. I know you're wondering how effective HSCT is, but there's no single answer to that since different medical groups around the world have used different treatment regimens and evaluation methods. The effectiveness varies according to the characteristics of the individuals, the intensity of their treatment, and the side effects experienced. And some people have gone into long-term remission from MS, experiencing no further MS symptoms, and some have even recovered functions that had previously been lost. Like me, I'll tell you about it later. Others, unfortunately, have had MS disease progression and relapses return. I can tell you that there was a multi-center five-year trial called HALT-MS. It tested HSCT in 25 people with MS, an active relapsing remitting disease that was not controlled by disease-modifying medications. After five years, 69% of participants experienced no new disease activity after the procedure and did not need disease-modifying drugs. So to sum it up how effective HSCT is for those of us with MS, it's proven to be very effective for people with highly active MS. It can reduce relapses and stabilize or even improve disability for some, as I said before, but HSCT can't regrow nerves or repair damaged myelin. So far, we don't have anything that can do that, but I think it's in the works from what I hear. So anyway, it can't stop those with advanced progressive of MS who are no longer having relapses and don't show signs of inflammation on an MRI. So basically that's sort of what happened to me where if you don't have any action on your MRI, according to Dr. Burt, that may mean your disease is progressing and this won't benefit you. That's what he was worried about for me because I didn't have any activity. I don't know if I should say luckily, but luckily I had an active lesion on my brain on the second MRI I was able to send to him. I do want you to know that these things do not apply to every hospital offering HSCT. I would just suggest to go online and check out all the hospitals offering HSCT to see which hospital you would qualify for. As I stated earlier, I didn't qualify for Chicago the first time I tried, but I did qualify for Mexico. So check out Clinica Ruiz in Mexico. They have several locations. Unfortunately, they are no longer doing HSCT at Northwestern Medicine in Chicago 
Chicago. And Dr. Burt has moved on after 20 years of HSCT studies, procedures, and he is now moving on to write a book about HSCT. And also he is planning to instruct hospitals around the world on how to perform this transplant. I'm so grateful to him and I wish him the best. And I'm so happy to know that procedures will be more available in the United States in the coming years. So let's get going on my story and my adventure to stop my MS progression. So I took the flight out and it was a long flight because there was several delays for some reason. I already missed everybody because <laughs> I knew I was going to be gone for a long time. A good thing was a lady helped me and brought my bag all the way in and made everyone wait for me to go. So that was really, really nice. And also my awesome husband flew me first class so that I was very comfortable in the front of the plane. So it was very sweet of him. I was very excited because I was going to see my mom when I landed and she would be there to help me with all my luggage and and to give me a hug to help me get over my anxiety of this whole procedure because it is a serious procedure. I wasn't worried about dying or anything like that. I was just concerned about everything I was about to experience because it is a lot. So my mom had flown in at the same time as me, but she flew in from Las Vegas to meet me at the airport. Uh, my husband actually flew her first class too, which was so sweet. So we both were very rested when we got off the plane. I could barely walk for some reason when I got off the plane. I think the stress, the long flight, everything had gotten to me. So luckily she came to my gate and got me once I arrived. So once we left the airport we went to our hotel which I had stayed at the last time I was there so I was comfortable and we checked in had dinner and then went to bed early because the next morning was an early early morning my first appointment for for pre-transplant testing was at 7 45 in the morning and it was the pulmonary function test so that was my first test uh, then at 8 45 I had to do a 2d echo cardiogram and then at 2 15 another MRI of my spine and my neck and my brain. A vein check had to be done to make sure I could, you know, my veins could handle everything that was about to go down, which was a lot. And then I had to get a chest x-ray and an EKG to make sure my chest was okay. And then I had to have labs drawn, of course, as I did the freaking whole time I was there. I swear they took so much blood from me. I don't know how I was still living. Of course, I was given blood uh, when I had some transfusions, but that's a later story. So that was the first day there, the Tuesday after I woke up from my plane flight and everything and arrived at the hotel. The next day was all of those tests in one day. So that was a brutal day for me. So we ended up just having dinner and going to bed early actually because it was another early day. The next day I met with Dr. Burt and also the neurologist and we went over all the testing and everything looked fine. So I was good to go. Normally people go home this time in between their pre-testing period and their mobilization but we decided to stay in Chicago because it was only five nights and thought that would be fine. We didn't want to fly all the way home and fly all the way back. There was no reason to do that. I'm from California and this is Chicago I'm talking about. So it was it was better just to stay. So eventually uh, we got to the Monday, the day of mobilization. And that, wow, that was amazing and scary and exciting and nerve wracking all at one 
time. I had to be there early again at 7.30 in the morning to check in to the actual hospital where I'll be staying and had to bring all my medications and vitamins and supplements in the original bottles because they took them from me and gave them to me every morning or at night when they were necessary. I had to have a power of attorney document or a living will to bring with me so that they had it in case something horrifying happened. So yeah, that was a bit bit scary to give them that paperwork because it's just so real. I don't know how to say it, but it's just real. You feel your mortality at that point. The room was pretty nice. They put me in. I was only staying for one night this time because I was having my first dose of chemotherapy, which was cytoxin. And I also had my Foley catheter placed, which was lovely. I don't know if anybody else has had that done, but good Lord, people, that is just brutal. Anyway, after that, they gave me IV hydration and Mesna, which was to protect my bladder. And then they came in to do my chemo. That was very nerve-wracking as well because I've never had that done. And I was very, very nervous about that. But it went very easy. They just put it through my IV and that was it. I was done. So then I had to stay the night that night because they wanted to make sure I was fine and okay with the chemo. Um, I didn't like staying there, but I knew that I had to get used to it because I would be there for 18 nights when I got my transplant procedure going. So the next day I woke up and was able to go back to the hotel and which we actually could have gone home during this time, but I didn't want to do that either because it was again only nine nights until I was to go back to the hospital and I just feel like that wasn't long enough for me to fly home fly back because it's so hard for me in the airport to get around and I would rather not do that so my husband knew how nervous I was about this whole thing and he was out of his mind as well and the kids were very nervous for me to be gone so long so Nick flew the kids back to see me and to stay with uh, my mom and I and they were with us for seven days which was awesome I loved it Nick flew flew them to Chicago and then he went up to Canada to do a fishing trip then came back down and picked them up so that was pretty that was pretty great of him to do that I got to be with my children during that whole the time I was doing my new pigeon and and just awaiting my harvest so that helped a lot to see them and my heart was full I had already had one chemo session so my mind was already racing eventually it was time for the kids to go so they went home with their dad So that following Saturday, which was four days after I was discharged, I had to start new pigeon shots, which I was to inject myself for six days. However, I did have my mom do it for me because I couldn't do it myself. It was too nerve wracking to do that. But um, they came in pre-filled syringes, so it was pretty pretty easy. But it's intended to help your body make stem cells in order to get enough for the stem cell harvest. And I finally had my stem cell harvest, which was very scary. And the neck cath was no joke. I've got to tell you. I don't mean to scare anybody that's about to do this, but just take a deep breath and breathe. It'll be over before you know it. So now we're on to the stem cell harvest. So they sit you in a reclining chair, which is pretty awesome. And you can watch TV. You can, you know, watch your, look at your laptop, look at your phone, etc. Read or whatever. I just sat and talked with my mom. So that was cool. And it lasted about probably six hours. It takes about three to six hours. So we did the full six so that I didn't have to come 
back the next day, hopefully getting enough stem cells in that time so that I didn't have to come back the next day would have been great. So eventually we were done. The machine is so cool. It just, it just takes your stem cells out of your blood. I don't know how or who thought of this, but it's pretty amazing to see it happen in person just to see it. I did get a video of it, so I'll put that on my blog so you can see it. So once that was done, we were able to go back to the hotel and chill that night and keep my fingers crossed that the count will be high the next day so that I didn't have to go back and do it all over again. And guess what? I didn't have to do it all over again. Yeehaw! It was awesome. I got eight and a half million stem cells, so I didn't need to do a second day. That was great. So then we had the day off. We were just chilling. And then the following day, a, a stem cell sister came. Her name was Katie. She's awesome. And she's still a friend to this day. And we visited. She talked to me about her experience and how she's feeling, you know, at that point. She had been six months past her infusion date, I believe. And she talked to me about everything she's been through since the infusion and how she's feeling and how I would expect to feel possibly after my infusion. It was so nice to speak with somebody who has been through it and knows a lot about how it feels to go through it and be able to see what my life might be six months after my transplant. And she was doing really well. The following day, my mom and I flew home separately, um, but both in first class again, thanks to my husband, of course. And I was so happy to have her with me. Special memories with my mom. And it was so nice and, and won't have anybody with me for the second part of this. So having her here for the first was so amazing. So I get to go home now. And since my stem cells are low and my immune system is compromised, I can't really go out and about and do anything at home. So I'll just be a homebody like I am anyway, but an even different level of homebody and my husband had the cleaning people come and clean everything and sanitize the whole house and he made it so it's very safe at home for the time I will be remaining home which was two weeks then I was on my way back to Chicago for the infusion in the time that I was home my hair started falling out so I actually cut it short at one point I was actually okay with my hair falling out I just looked at it as with each strand of hair meant I was losing my MS, so closer to MS being stopped. So basically I didn't I didn't cry, I didn't mope. I just didn't care at all. I just took scissors to that bad boy and chopped it off. And then eventually, before I went back to Chicago, my daughter had a great time shaving off my hair. She had so much fun. So I basically just did sort of like a, you know, an army kind of shave, shaved head. I didn't make it completely bald. I just left little bits of hair there. And then I wore a wig on my way back in the airplane. So... That story and more will come on my next episode. I think this one has been long enough. And on another note, I hope you all are doing well and being safe out there during this pandemic we're in. I will be back next week with HSCT Experience Part 2. And I just want you all to stay safe. Mm. I will have information on HSCT on my blog and also on the podcast page for this podcast. I will also put locations where you can go as of now to receive HSCT. In the meantime, keep keeping on, warriors.